shall. Let's do it. All right. (laughs) Let me get my podcaster voice up. Hi, friends of O's. Okay. Welcome to book club. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, friends and foes. Welcome to book club. It's brushwork. I have Visual Nomad here with me for another episode of Art Book Club. And uh, this month, we read Draw Your Weapons by Sarah Centils? Centils? Centilis? I don't know how you say your last name. I'm sorry, Sarah. But we read your book. We read your book this month. And... (laughs) um, Wowza! This book was this book book was a lot. Okay, but, but first, before we start, um, Nomad, did you did you finish the book? I did not get all the way through it. I got a majority of the way through it, so I think I only have like maybe two chapters left. Nice. So I've gotten quite a bit of it read. So excellent! I finished the book, and um, yeah. Great. So, hey, we have we have things to talk about. It's good. I'm proud of us. Uh, I listened yes. to the audiobook <laughs> version, and then okay. I also picked up the the physical copy. That's actually how I first got the book. But then the audio mm-hmm. version was free on the or like available at the library. And I'm a sucker for audiobooks. Oh. I just love listening to books. So mm-hmm. that's how I got it. And can we talk about like the writing style first? Like, did you read the print version or did you listen to it? Uh, no, I've got the print version. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about book, so. audio style or like writing style first, because mm-hmm. I found this book to be a little bit confusing. Was it that way for it you? Is, it is. It's jarring at first. Mm-hmm. Like I was trying to figure out what Sarah was trying to get at through the writing style. Mm-hmm. And... As you get deeper into the book, I think you start to understand what she's doing, which is like introducing a perspective, then juxtaposing it with another story and going, okay, now how does that, uh, how does that affect your perspective on this story now? Yeah. Like initially, if you read it, you would have felt one way for sure. And then seeing this other you know having this other one in your pocket you're like oh wait hold on like that totally shifted things and Mm -hmm. she does like for lack of a better phrase she kind of like french braids these stories together throughout this whole book that's a nice way and it's it's super fascinating yeah when um when you read this book and if you haven't read this book before and you're you listen to us and you're like, oh, I want to read this. I feel like it's really important to say that this book has heavy descriptions of uh, torture and trauma and war. And as well, this will be a topic for a little bit later, but it's if you're very sensitive to that, you should be cautious reading or listening to this book. Mm-hmm. Um, but this book interplays in French braids, which <laughs> I love that term. <laughs> it French braids <laughs> stories about um people about war about art about different events about uh i think there's even some like article clippings in here maybe again i listened to the book so sometimes i was listening something that sounded like a newspaper reading but might have been just her way of writing they they were poll quotes basically so like in the book they're like italicized gotcha see that makes sense that makes sense maybe it would be better to read the physical copy um 
you might be less confused because there was often moments where I, I felt like whiplash where I was just like, whoa, where are we? What's the mm-hmm. story doing? Is this story from the previous story? The author herself reads the book, um, which is kind of cool. I mm-hmm. feel like you don't get that very often. But her oh, wow. distinction between segments um, wasn't very clear. It all felt like the very same voice. And that's mm. that's complex. That's complex. Um, yeah, she definitely has. So in the book, she has definite breaks. Like she'll do like three dots mm-hmm. to break that section out from the next one. So you know, okay, this was this was just a chunk. This is a chunk. And then you start to overlay those chunks together. So gotcha. I feel yeah. that. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of want to talk about before we go into like what the book kind of like meat of the book was, I, I want to talk about being sensitive to media as an artist and Mm. how, when I was reading this book, (laughs) I felt like extremely sad and like, I was like thinking about the topics of this book constantly. I canceled a stream once or twice Mm -hmm. because I was listening to this book and it was just like, really heavy like it's a lot yeah and I definitely noticed it coming up in my artwork when I was when Mm. I was painting I was like I am painting while reading this book that is very very much about war and Mm. um from a lot of times from the perspective of civilians who have experienced the consequences of war and it was I just I would see it in my sketches. I would see it in the paint strokes I was making. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I can't paint mm-hmm. while I'm reading this book. I have to finish this book first. <laughs> and um, yeah. And my focus is gone. Hello. There we go. And um, <laughs> it was, mm-hmm. it was a lot. I was just like, I am so sad. Why am I sad? It's because you're reading this book, Stephanie. And it's yeah. kind of a lot. And um, do you, do you ever feel this way? Do you ever feel this way about media you watch? Do you ever see it? kind of leaking into your your work oh absolutely Hmm. yeah i think um you know i i watch youtube periodically throughout the day and the stuff that i watch is varied it could be about automotive stuff it could be about art history Mm-hmm. It could be about psychology. It could be about woodworking. It can be about so many things. And I bring all of those things with me when I sit in front of the easel. Like, there's yeah. no way I can't do that. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely very sensitive to what I do take in. Um, and I, like you, when I was reading this book, so I started to read some more last night. And I think I read for about maybe two hours mm-hmm. and I was like, I've got to stop. I can't do, I can't do any more of this book. Like my brain is full. I need to let it process and marinate on it a little bit and come back to it tomorrow because it is like, it's, I, I think this might be the heaviest book I've ever read. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is. And you know, I, I knew I was sensitive to things I see. I, I did a whole podcast episode before about what you surround yourself with matters. And mm-hmm. I knew I was sensitive to if I watch a scary movie, I'm going to have scary dreams and I'm going to make scary mm-hmm. paintings. But with this book, I was like, mm, that hasn't diminished at all since I was, you know, my college years. And right. I'm like, what else? 
every time I read a book or I read something and it affects me this much, I'm like, what else am I being affected with that I, maybe it's happy mm. and I'm not noticing it. I'm not noticing the effects. Right. Um, and it's, it makes me like question everything I look at. And I was like, all right, I'm going to delete TikTok for a bit. I'm going to like, <laughs> I didn't post on social media for a whole week, which is unusual for me. And mm. I just like really felt withdrawn from reading this book and just mm. from noticing the, the, I guess, external forces that are constantly here. And, you know, we are beings mm. of this planet. So that makes sense. But it was just like, bruh, this is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you think you'll finish the book? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I definitely want to. Mm-hmm. I want I want to see the end of it for sure. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so getting in, into the into the chapters here, I started reading this book on a drive to the bookstore, um, which is my favorite mm. place to go to when I'm feeling good about myself. And <laughs> so I'm listening to this in the car. And um, in the first couple of chapters... I think it's, I read this three weeks ago. I was like, I gotta get this out of the way. (laughs) Um, The author goes into pretty extremely detailed descriptions of waterboarding, which Mm is Christ on a cracker, uh, (laughs) tough to listen to in any occasion. And it it went over the details and the how, and like scientific measurements of like what to do and how to get the most effectiveness out of waterboarding if you're going to do that. And like, wow, that's like, that's how you enter the book. And then it just mm-hmm. kind of keeps going like that. It goes through several different methods yeah. of torture. It goes through strategies around effective war making. It also has a story about mm-hmm. um, Howard, whose last name I forgot. Mm-hmm. Um and it he he's a again I can look up his last name in a second here but I he it's a story about she wants to write a book about him which is this book mm-hmm. and she goes she hears about this man in the newspaper and she's like he has an interesting story he's also got some all time Alzheimer's all how do you say that Alzheimer's thank yes. you and um mm-hmm. he tends to repeat himself and so. She's like, okay, I'm going to go write him a letter and I'm going to see if I can get his story from him. And then he never replies. And then his daughter, I think, finds the letter and is like, hey, you should come chat with my dad. Just heads up. You know, he he doesn't remember everything and he'll tell you the same story over and over again. And so then she hears about his time in war. And then she discovers things about his his past they go into his like attic and find all these stories um from i believe it's the japanese internment camps in america here actually in washington it's in washington which is where i live i live in seattle Mm -hmm. and so many many instances in this book it references places i've been um and that's if you've never if you've never done any research about the japanese internment camps you should you should look them up especially if you are living in the state of Washington, it's, it's, you're surrounded by it. You're surrounded by the effects of it. And you, if you, after reading this book, I would just look around and I was like, I see the echoes of these decisions all Mm. over the place. I see it in the neighborhood I live in. I see it in the redlining. I see it just, it's, it still has effects today. And that's, this book is crazy. So by crazy, I mean, 
mm-hmm. good <laughs> and revealing. Yeah. And if you if you choose to look into it, it's it's interesting. Anyways, mm-hmm. so it goes through stories like that, and then uh, what else does it do? Uh, she talks. So the main stories are Howard's story, mm-hmm. um, Howard's friend's story. Yes. He is uh, an Asian American, mm-hmm. so you get his perspective from being inside the internment camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Miles, who is one of her students, who is a Marine that served at Abu Grave, his platoon took over for the platoon that took over for the people that tortured people in Abu Grave. Yeah. So they're basically, he, he says they're there to shut the camp down and move those people to a different camp um, that is supposed to be more humane. Um, and uh, Miles has come back to the States. Uh, he hadn't really talked to anybody. He'd been home for two years and hadn't really talked to anybody about what he had done over there, what he had seen or anything. And one day... He comes in with another one of her students and she's like, talk to her, you know, talk to her and tell her your story. And so uh, Sarah basically just extends the invitation. If he wants to talk, she is just there to listen if he needs to get it out. And through all of that, she she builds a relationship with Miles where years down the line, he still comes to her and talks to her and tells her parts of what he's dealing with as being a soldier um at one point he re-enlists and she's like why are you re-enlisting mm-hmm. like it doesn't make any sense um and he initially had just gotten into the military so that he could pay for college um like so many yeah. other people do and so it, it follows his story um they talk about you know, uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, um, Susan Sontag, she, she touches base on some of the stuff that Susan Sontag talked about. Um, there is, there's another book that she talks about that somebody had written that, um, about photography and, you know, in the time of war and that kind of thing. She digs into that, uh, the Nazi trials, Mm-hmm. And what happened in Nazi Germany, she gets into that. So she, she into weaves the covers all up. these stories mm-hmm. together. Yeah. So it's it's really, yeah, it's it's heavy. <laughs> it's another thing I thought about this book when I finished it. I was like, this book kind of advertised itself about being art and war. And it's, I would say it's mm-hmm. mostly about war. It's like, I would mm-hmm. say like, 85% war and yeah one of her students miles is an artist i, I think right he's an mm. art student yes yes um yeah and so it kind of goes into that into the things he's making and about how he's using art to work through his ptsd and he, he talks mm-hmm. about or his work is you know really disturbing and she says like she's like <laughs> uh she was she was worried about another student who also had really violent art that might hurt her or her students because of how violent Mm. his work was. And she talks about how war and violence is, uh, it's, 
the way it affects art and the way it's talked about art is it's, it's interesting to see the difference of we're showing you something that's historic versus we're showing something that I've lived through versus something that is um, shocking for shock value. And mm-hmm. it, um, I kind of wish it went more into things about art, but it, mm. it, this book yeah. was mostly about war. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, the one part that, that kind of struck me is, you know, we, we have all these methods of obtaining this information. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is either video or photography. Uh, some people have, you know, painted, sketched things that they've seen, but uh, it kind of centers around the photography aspect of things. And um, at one point, somebody talks about Susan Sontag. Um, if you don't know who Susan Sontag is, if you know who, oh, who is her ex-wife? Photographer. Um shoot what's her name <laughs> let me look this Gosh, up how do, how do i even forget this Jeez, annie Leibowitz. annie Leibowitz is her ex-wife mm-hmm. um and susan was also a photographer as well but she was more known for her writing and her uh her political protests and and that kind of thing um she was also a devout feminist and this person says it's great that Susan Sontag talks about these things, but the thing that she misses is that she is not these people because we see these images and because we're quote unquote empathetic doesn't solve the issue of the people on the other side of that camera. Mm. Yes. Um, which is, you know, something that we really have to sit with. Like one, are we getting the whole story? which we probably aren't because it's always from the perspective of somebody. Wait, can we pause for a second? Um, um, yeah. The the photographs that Nomad is talking about is the the artist took photos of war and <laughs> mm-hmm. took uh, photos that were of disturbing images of people being, uh, for example, dragged through the street by their limbs and mm-hmm. just other images of war actively happening, right? Okay, so go ahead and continue. <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, and, you know, the pictures from the internment camps and and Germany and Poland and all of that. And it's this, this concept of, um, is being empathetic, like, is that enough? Does that absolve us from the things that have happened? And it's, this book is really good at making you uncomfortable and making you sit with the decisions that you would make in those situations initially. And I think that's why there's that, that juxtaposition between all those stories, why she weaves those stories, because Howard is a conscientious objector. They talk about the fact that people were conscripted to war against their will Mm -hmm. uh, in the United States. And he said he wasn't going to have any part of it. It wasn't just about, you know, trying to make things better in the internment camps. He did not want to have anything to do with any of it because he's like, war is not an answer. Violence is not an answer. And I don't want any of it. Mm -hmm. Well, 
he went to prison for four months the first time and he went to prison for two years the next time Mm -hmm. um he got out and they and his daughter was born they took him two months after his daughter was born he got out and he was around for a little while uh maybe less than a year or so and they tried to conscript him again probably on purpose knowing that he was not gonna join and he repeated himself i'm not joining and they put him in jail for another two years um and she talks about the idea of conscription has been around for a very long time it basically started back in the civil war abraham lincoln had conscripted people and he laid out certain criteria as to how you could not be part of that conscription Mm -hmm. and so people were starting up their own churches starting up their own papers that kind of thing and then as world war ii or world war one and world war ii came along they adjusted those parameters of conscription and made it nearly impossible for you to get out of um so that you had to fight and uh you know seeing or reading this you know the the frustration you feel when you read these stories of howard's situation of why do i even have to deal with this and um and then you hear his friend's side of the story of being in the camp Mm-hmm. He did absolutely nothing wrong. These people did nothing wrong. And the military just showed up to their house one day, told them pack a bag yeah, and drove them out to the middle of the desert or in Oregon, there was a camp there. There was one in Iowa or Idaho. There was one in Washington. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're out in these like remote places in the open elements trying to survive and you know it's it's hard for that not to affect you and as an artist you go okay how 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 can i relate that honestly if i see something like this if i experience something like this how can i relate this honestly um one artist decided to um, create pieces around cutouts, like collage pieces around cutouts from um, home magazines and then interspersed war photos mm-hmm. like inside of these things. And it was the idea of people watch this from a distance. We have the luxury as Americans to watch this from a distance, what's happening to these people. And we can sit here and say it's awful, but what are we doing to change that? Um, and how does how does art play a part in that? How, I mean, we all know how how strong propaganda can be from the Nazis and from other groups. Um, so visual art is massively important. It's used to rally people um writing is important mm-hmm. um so as wielders of these tools how can we be 
How can we be global citizens in the midst of that? There's a, a quote from the book, which basically is the underlying question of this book. And it's, uh, how, how do you live in the face of so much suffering? And how, how are you mm-hmm. able to be an artist in the face of all the suffering? And I, I can't say that war has directly affected my family and friends, like my really intimate ones, um, in the way that it has for Miles in this book, right? And it has for all these things. But it, indirectly, it is in the place that I grew up in. It's in the way things are now and the systems that are around us. And mm-hmm. I feel like when I when I read this book, I was like, oh, this <laughs> this is what it feels like, right? This is what it feels like to to be in the face of war. And and for for the people in this book that are artists to to still create. Uh, was it Miles that made the violins? No, that or, was no, Howard. That was Howard. Made Howard made the violins. Mm-hmm. So in in this in this book, it talks about how Howard's in prison for um, not wanting to go to war, and he's like, "Well, I found this book. Well, no, I found this person also in the um, in the prison who is an instrument maker, and he's making." a musical instrument, a violin, and I also want to do it. Can you bring me books about how to make a violin? And he writes this in a letter to his wife. And he's, you know, trying to be creative and trying to kind of, I I guess, make something that is inherently about war in in the face of not wanting to participate in it (laughs) by, by going, by being in prison for it. And then Later on, it she talks about how um, I think someone brings the violin back to him like years and years and years later, and how it's like this janky piece of a violin where it's like pieces that would not normally make a beautiful sound have been put together, and someone just kept it and they had it, and now it's their it's their family heirloom, and it's a mm-hmm. it's a it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's... Yeah, he in the prison he stumbles across the barn that's on the property. Yes. And he wasn't supposed to be there, but then he talks to a one guard. of the guards and says, Hey, can we turn this into a woodworking shop? And the guy's like, Absolutely, let's do that. Mm-hmm. So he took bits of metal that they found scrap from and had them fashion tools for him to be able to make this violin. His wife would send him two or three letters a week, which was the most they could, or two to three page letters yeah. were the largest they could make. So she would transcribe these book pages for him so that he could learn how to make a violin. And it just, it, it it's, it's this in the face of the ugliness, mm-hmm. the beauty that comes out of these spaces. They talk about the internment camp. In California, the fact that the people had worked the land so well that they produced more than enough crops to be able to sustain the, the camp on its own. Um, I mean, beautiful flowers. They made all kinds of furniture. They made all mm-hmm. kinds of mm-hmm. stuff there. And it was, these people could have been, ups, uh, like, they could have been irate. And just said, forget it. This is futile. I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to sit 
in this crappy tent that they've provided me. Uh, even though I'm an American and they're treating me like I'm not. Yeah. Um, I could just give up. And these people didn't give up. They showed what being a human is about. They could have been rude to the guards. They could have been horrible to them. It had every right to do that. But they chose to take that that energy and focus it in a more positive direction. Um, which I don't know that I could have done in that situation. I don't think I could be that that kind of person. Yeah, who knows, right? <laughs> That's Yeah. <laughs> it's something else. Um Yeah, I don't I don't know what else I really want to say about this book except that it'll make you feel strong things. And um yes. don't go don't go into this thinking it's going to be a fun art book because <laughs> it, it won't be. And I uh, I did, in the end, like it. I don't think I'll ever reread it because of how it made me feel, right. <laughs> which was just right. inherently very sad. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, if you are... I was just thinking, so in Washington, there's this island called Bainbridge Island. And the Bainbridge mm -hmm. Island Art Museum had a exhibit on the Japanese internment camps that happened near there. And I think it's now closed the the, the ex exhibition is closed it was up for i think two years like quite a long time um but you can go on their website and get some other readings other pictures see things from those internment camps see artists who made art from there um and it's it's probably all on their website i'll have i'll link it in the show notes but it's uh it was it was quite good and i i went there with my family recently and i was just like whoa <laughs> again it was like a bright sunny day and I was just like oh let's go look at some art and then I was like oh okay <laughs> like, here we go it's history yeah. lesson time um, but it's important to know and it's important to look at and if you have the the mental capacity for it you should you should act absolutely you know read texts like this even if you don't intend to read draw your weapons if read other historical texts like this especially if they're about places where you live like for me in Washington, mm -hmm. this is pertinent. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah I, you know, I, I think the biggest takeaway I had was, yeah, just how do you be a global citizen? Like we talk about that, but what does that look like in action? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. How do we, how do we, combat violence we can never really get rid of it but how can we how can we begin to turn that that back to something better instead of war is the answer whenever somebody won't do something we right. just go start a war with them like nobody benefits from that i don't care what anybody says you may get resources but the damage is done internally. It has nothing to do with the physical at that point on one side, you know. Um, and the other side is, you know, just as badly damaged outside and inside. So it's just, it, it it's a no-win situation. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, 
Mm. Yeah, it makes you, huh, it, it makes you look at yourself and and kind of take stock of what kind of human you are. And if you're not ready to do that, this book is probably not ready for you to read. <laughs> you can come back to it, it later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, be prepared because like Steph said in the very beginning of the book, they jump headfirst into really hard stuff. Um, yeah, they expound about where waterboarding came from, where it originated, and that's even a way deeper concept that is a whole different talk for a whole different day. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I just I wasn't prepared yeah. for how like I know I'm, I'm a visual person because I'm an artist like I know that and I know that I imagine things really really easily and that's why mm-hmm. I can't w- watch horror movies and I like <laughs> and I shy away from things like that so if you have a very very vivid imagination and you read these things you will imagine it happening and you will imagine it happening to you and that's mm-hmm. just you gotta you gotta take that with a grain of salt um you can always skip ahead in the pages though but i uh yeah <laughs> it was a lot it was a lot um yeah. yeah uh overall i gave this book a four out of five stars i thought it did what it needed to do really excellently and it made me so uncomfortable and i think that was the point mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what about I you would, i would i'd give it the same i think i'd give it a four out of five mm-hmm because like you said earlier, you know, I got into it thinking it was going to be about art, like, you know, yeah. uh, maybe political activism through art. That's what know? I thought, too. <laughs> and, and it was kind of that, but in a way different way than I expected. Mm-hmm. I do want to read a book about political art. And if y'all are listening and you have recommendations or no matter if you know of one, um, send them, send them more away. Cause I, I am interested in reading more about that. Maybe we should read more about Ai Weiwei or something in the future, but, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, this book, this book is not about political art. It's about war. So that's like, <laughs> you'll get like a sprinkle of political art, but mostly it's about war. And, um, Yeah. That's, that's draw your weapons. Did you have any final thoughts you wanted to spit out or? Mm, I don't think so, but I'm definitely going to finish the book. I, Might I as well. I should. You're two chapters yeah. away. You gotta. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm definitely close to finishing it. So Fabulous. Well, that's been draw your weapons. Um, mm-hmm. Are you ready for the next book then? yeah yeah so i figured that we read a really heavy book and now we needed a classic Mm -hmm. we need a tried and true we needed something that was all about art and maybe about the self in art (laughs) so we're gonna read we're gonna read something that is been like a bestseller in the art world for probably 30 or plus years this is the artist's way Mm. we i have the um do it I have the 25th anniversary edition. I think there's a 30th anniversary edition. This book is about, well, let me just, let me just give you a little, like, read the back for you. (laughs) This book takes you 
on a journey. <laughs> this book is about discovering and developing the artist within. Whether you're a painter or a poet or a screenwriter, it's going to help you pursue your creative dream. This book addresses the delicate and complex subject for those of you who... Oh, hold on. No, that's a that's a bad blurb. We're not going to read that book. I'm sorry, Martin Scorsese, but we're not going to read that one. <laughs> this, is, this book is um, about just learning how to make and pursuing your creative dream. And it's kind of a, it's a path. It's not like a novel. There's rules. There's quizzes. There's um, like ways of making lists for things. There's, it talks about jealousy. It talks about losing. It talks about doing tasks. It talks about deadlines. I'm just kind of like flipping through it here. And it's, it's, there's creative contracts there is all sorts of things so we're gonna read this book i if there are like exercises to do in this book i'm gonna try and do them as i read them i think it'll be fun mm. hi cp and i i think it's i think it's gonna be good um it's short it's under 200 pages and okay. read any edition you like if you want to read along with us the artist's way can be found at so many discount bookstores i found mine at half price books for eight dollars you can buy it new mm. you could get it at the library this book has been around it's super popular and um i think it'll be fun have you you've read this book before right no i have not oh i thought you had okay great yeah, none of these books i've read so far so i feel i feel like you're such introducing a boss. me to all these new books <laughs> you know if y'all are not familiar with art book club um, basically I pick a new book every month that the nomad's like, okay, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's great. Um, it's good because it's, yeah. it's stuff that I wouldn't naturally gravitate to necessarily. Um, Perfect. and so like I get a different perspective. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. We might have a special guest next month if she, she decides to Ooh. stop bowling and start coming to art book club, <laughs> but you know, I'm not naming names here. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah we'll be next on july july someday it's july 9th july 9th at 3 p.m pacific time right here on twitch and if you want to watch the live recording you should come you should, you should follow the account and subscribe but mostly yeah. follow the account okay great <laughs> visual nomad jen where can people find you on the internet you can find me at visualnomad.art. You can also find me here on Twitch at visualnomad. Uh, Instagram, visualnomad double underscore. Ooh. And yeah, that's where you can find me. Nomad, how many times a week do you stream? I stream five days a week, Monday through Friday, 1 to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Heck, in, heck yeah, that's... That's pretty awesome. Nomad also makes abstract art just like I do. So if you, you're you like, I like what Stephanie does, but I want to see more art more often, you should go follow Nomad. <laughs> she streams more often than I do. It's perfect. All right. Friends, foes, you can find me at stephaniescott.art over on Instagram. That's also my website. And you can find Brushwork at Brushwork Pod. And here we are. Okay. We're going we're gonna to say goodbye now. Goodbye. Bye. 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 <laughs> see you later.